This is Sports Beat Extra. We've worked very hard on, on fitness and um, and the running game. That's what kind of led me to, to want this dream of being a, a racing driver. There's no point in time in anything except standards of excellence. We will deal with the Talton Cup if we're in it and we will certainly give it every bit of respect. There's no feeling that beats playing for Ireland. My God, I'm going to do everything that is possible to bring us there. This is Sports Beat Extra. Good evening and welcome along to Sports Beat Extra. I'm Andy and here's what's coming up on the show today. In the second half, I'll be speaking to Aidan Delaney about tonight's huge clash at the Rugby World Cup. It is, of course, Ireland versus South Africa in the clash of the Pool B Titans. But before that, earlier this week, I chatted to Gillian Barry, who is making waves in the Irish weightlifting scene and has become the youngest woman to ever compete for Ireland at major weightlifting championships. So, Gillian, tell me a bit about your sporting background before you got involved in the weightlifting. Um, so before I was involved in weightlifting, uh, my main sport would have been football, well, GAA, but mainly football. I played a little bit of camogie, but I was never any much good at it. I played football for Feathered, our home team. Um, I played for St. Mercy, or sorry, the Mercy St. Mary's in New Ross for my school. And I would have played for Wexford underage as well. Um, we won two All-Irelands, uh, under 16 and minor. Um, I always played camogie alongside as well, but I only ever really played for Feathered for that. Um, I started doing CrossFit alongside playing GEA then for a little while. My dad had promised to put me in a, a gymnastics school and said that I should get strong and go to the gym in the meantime. And I did. And I started CrossFit to be strong for gymnastics. And a few years down the line, he told me he actually never put me in the, on the waiting list for the gymnastics school. And then I just stuck with the CrossFit and eventually branched into Olympic weightlifting from there. So you obviously mentioned that you did have plenty of success on the GA field. How hard was it then as you yeah. kind of realised, say, that weightlifting was a thing that maybe you could get into to leave the, the GA behind? Uh, it was really hard. It went on for a while. I was in denial for a while because I love GA. I still love it. I miss it every day. If The, this, the day I give up weightlifting, I'll be back in the field and feather like playing <laughs> because it's just such a great sport and I really do miss it. So... It kind of came to a point where my training and um, weightlifting was just going really bad. I was constantly tired, constantly, um, I suppose, um, like recovering. Um, would pick up little niggles along the way. Um, and I just wasn't performing to my best in weightlifting. And the coaches kind of said to me that it was going to have to be one or the other. So I had to talk to my family, my dad and mom about it. And we kind of made the decision that we'd go with weightlifting because it's a, a different dynamic in the sport where you're going to be stronger and better in your younger years. Whereas GA, obviously you will be stronger and better in your younger years, but it's kind of there for life and you can always going to go back to it. So I will be making my debut back on the field eventually. Um, but for now, I, I have to choose the way of them. Absolutely. And you mentioned your dad, Aidan, of course, and he runs the gym. So being around that environment, does that help with, obviously from the training point of view but also the competitive and encouraging environment of the other gym goers that that kind of keep you going yeah absolutely and like it's only a small home gym there's not a whole lot to it but it's more so the competitiveness with my dad more than anything it's it's kind of like whatever you can do i can do better and that's where it all started um and even to this day like when i go home at the weekends or whatever or whenever i am home he'd be in the gym seeing what i'm doing and challenging me and saying you can't do x y and z and i can and i'm 50 odd and whatever so like that very much exists and push each other on hugely 
yeah, definitely a good man to keep you on your toes. So you you said then that it was obviously a tough decision to leave behind the team sports of the GA and such. But what do you remember then about, say, preparing for your first competitive lifting event? Oh, I actually, I'll never forget it. I was so new to the whole thing. I was, uh, like, hadn't a clue what I was doing. I remember it was the Dublin Open, which I suppose in GA terms is kind of the equivalent to um, maybe a league match. It's not quite championship. It's important, but, you know, it's okay if you lose it. It was one of those kind of competitions, and... I remember it was running on a Friday and a Saturday in Dublin when in the club that I'm actually a part of now was hosting it. And my dad had put in that I could go on the Friday so that we could go up after school. I was in the Mercy at the time in third year, I think. Yeah, it must have been third year. Um, and I remember getting up that morning and I don't know if you're familiar with weightlifting, but it's a weight-based sport. It's the same as boxing. So you have a weigh-in two hours before you lift. And I always lifted, up until this year, I've always lifted in the sub-64 kilo category, So, which means you have to weigh in between 59 kilos and under 64 kilos. And I remember waking up that morning with my full uniform on, uh, um, shoes on and everything, and I got on the scales and I was 62 kilos. And I remember the blood draining from my body going, oh my God, after, after I eat and everything, I'm, I'm not going to make weigh in. I'll be just, and that's what happens. If you don't make weigh in, you're disqualified. That's just it. It's pretty serious. Um, same as boxing. Like, you just have to make weight. So I remember panicking all day, um, afraid to eat in case my weight went up in any shape or form. So I, all I drank for the whole day was green tea. I was terrified. Drove up to Dublin after um, school, did the full weigh-ins and everything, and ended up being like 59 and a half kilos and just about making weight to be heavy enough into the category. I didn't own a singlet or anything at the time, which is the little kind of outfit, I suppose, that you wear in weightlifting. So I remember just wearing a little pair of old shorts and a T-shirt and just being a real rookie, I guess. And it went well. I remember really enjoyed it and I kind of got a feel for it then. And it's, it's, it's kind of a sport that nobody really wants to do. All eyes are on you. You're on a stage. You know, you kind of have to be able to handle the pressure of it all. And then once you do it, it's just amazing. And it's so fun. You can't wait to do it the next time. So... I definitely got the bug for it at that competition and I haven't really looked back since. Brilliant. And I suppose you've obviously moved on now from the days of just drinking green tea the day of an event. Yeah. Gone on to compete in yeah. several like major championships. So tell me a little bit about uh, you went out to the European Junior and Under-23 Championships in Albania back in October 2022. Oh, yeah. How did you find that? Good, yeah. That was my last Under-23 competition. Um that was, they're always really fun. Like when you're at them, of course, like Europeans is massive. It's a big thing. Um, and it's kind of until you get past that point that you see it's only kind of one of the smaller competitions in the grand scheme of things. Um, it's kind of playing. It's like, how would I describe it? Um, maybe a minor match to kind of like a senior All-Ireland. That's the difference. It's still important, but it's just a stepping stone. That was really good, though, the one in Albania. We've been to loads of countries since. It's run really professionally. Everything is just really enjoyable. You're surrounded by like some of the best athletes in the world. You're just given these huge opportunities to train while you're there, to meet people. And then it all just kind of boils down to one day. So you, you might be there for 10 days, two weeks, preparing and acclimatizing and getting used to the food, training, getting yourself in order. But you don't actually compete until maybe two or three days before you start to head home. And it's only one day. You're only about an hour on the stage and that's it. 
it all goes by very quickly. And of course, now you're the youngest Irish woman to compete in a European Senior Championship. So how much does that mean to you on a personal level? Oh God, huge. Um, when I started the sport, all I wanted to do was compete for Ireland. And I mean, it's such a minor sport and I had no idea how I was going to get to that level, but it's all I ever wanted. Um, and I was really lucky that the coach that I work with um, and the gym that I joined just kind of um, led me up to to be in those positions. So I've been on the Irish team now since I was 16 to the youths and the juniors, and now I'm on the senior team. And we're actually, myself and four others are on the Olympic team now, which is amazing. So we're not saying that I'm going to go to the Olympics or anything, but it's the kind of run up to it. So a few of us have been chosen as Ireland's kind of best chance in weightlifting to go for it. Um, and that involves going to Olympic Olympic um, qualifying events. So I'm actually just finished one now. I was in Saudi Arabia there for the last 10 days at Senior World Championships. Um, and I had to do another one in June. I had to go to Havana, Cuba for 10 days. And I had to go to Yerevan in Armenia there in April as well. So my next one is in February and then I have one more in April and that'll be the end of it then until the Olympics and we'll see how we all fared out. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the travel has to be a great little kind of bonus, I suppose, as well as the competitive oh, side. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's a huge perk. It's it's one of the best perks of it, I, I guess. And like, I mean, it is expensive, um, but it's worth it. You know, you I put the money somewhere else if I wasn't weightlifting, so I'm happy to to put it towards it and get as far as I can get with it, you know. For sure. And you, you kind of brushed over there the World Championships in Saudi Arabia, but you're probably in some of the best form you've ever been in. You have two records yeah. now under your belt in the clean and jerk and in the yeah. total. So as you say, for qualifying for like possibly Olympic events, you're you're going in the right direction. Going in the right direction, yeah. Um, there's two kind of parts to it. There's a snatch and there's a clean and jerk you get three attempts at each and your heaviest snatch is paired with your heaviest clean and jerk and that's your total and you you're trying to get the highest total you can but you I mean there's always the case of you could miss everything and you're disqualified or you could if you miss all three snatches you're disqualified if you miss all three jerks you're disqualified so it's kind of a delicate balance of going for your heaviest total while you know being able to do what you can do so in Ria, um i actually had a terrible snatch session I missed my opening snatch, so that was one of three gone. Um, I went out, then I got my second one, and then I missed my third, so I ended up only getting one of three lifts, which is really disappointing, considering all the time and energy and sacrifices you make for the sport to only go out and show off a third of what you actually can do. So it was a really quick turnaround to the clean and jerks, and you have about 15 minutes to get your head back in the game, maybe get some electrolytes, some energy, and then just start warming up for heavy clean and jerks. And thankfully, they all went to plan. Uh, I opened with 102, and then I went 105, and uh, PB, our personal best, at 107, which I was absolutely delighted with, and so were Team Ireland and the coaches. Brilliant. Would you have any advice then for anyone who is maybe looking to take their gym routine into the competitive side? Yeah, well, I suppose I do and I don't, because I, I never really went to the gym as, like, you know, a conventional gym goer. When, when I step into a hotel gym or... Uh, fly fit or something now I have no idea what to do I don't know what those machines do I've never been in that position but I suppose it's just about pushing your limits and seeing what you can do when you're kind of forced away from the normal gym routine and whatever strength has been built up already is going to you know 
did you do the world of good and it's only a few little extra skills you have to learn from there and you've recently made the big move from ireland to australia but aside from your family and friends what do you think you're going to miss most about ireland oh god the food (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely up there um i the food you you don't realize how good irish food is until you leave um i'm already missing that and i'm only in australia a week yeah, mommy's um, cooking is missed already. Mommy's cooking is definitely missed, yeah. Um, I'm really going to miss the gym. Um, I had to leave my job. I was working in the matter in Dublin. So I left my job and I'm already missing my pals there as well. But I suppose just the, the lifestyle of kind of almost full-time training. And I'm sure that's something I can pick up over here, but it's not really going to be the same and I'm not surrounded by the people who got me into it. Um, so I, I really missed Capital and my gym community course and so you say you, you hopefully will be able to continue training over there what will the kind of long-term plan be then for you on the weightlifting scene so the current plan at the minute is to finish out the olympic 2024 trial um so i've actually just i joined a gym yesterday here which seems amazing so far i'm really enjoying it um and i have yet to get work over here so i might postpone that for as long as i can and just uh, try to keep my head in the game for training. Um, we, I don't actually have any competitions for the rest of this year, um, unless I want to do like a small um, practice kind of a thing while I'm over here. But the next competition I have now is Senior Europeans 2024 in Bulgaria. It's looking like it's going to be at the minute. And then I have the Grand Prix in Thailand in April, and that will finish out the Olympic trial. So right now I'm just trying to keep the head down, trying to focus on performance make sure what happened in Ria with the snatches never happens again because it's kind of something that you 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 kind of only let that stuff happen again or only happen once I mean and because it's too big of a sacrifice to miss one out of three lifts it's it's too much so just focusing on getting my head in the game and getting stronger for the next one brilliant sounds like you have it all worked out Jill listen thanks so much for, (laughs) for taking the time to talk to me and I wish you all the best no with the, the move to Australia. And hopefully we'll um, we'll see you in the green at the Olympics. Sports Beat Extra. Beats 102-103. So I'm delighted to be joined now by Aidan Delaney as we look forward to Ireland versus South Africa. Aidan, Ireland looked good, great even at times against both Romania and Tonga. How would you assess the opening two games of the pool? Well, look, I suppose it's given us a little bit of a false sense of confidence because we always knew that these were going to be the two easier games in our group. It was always going to be building to this South Africa game. But at the same time, you know, you're the world's best team, you know, on paper, allegedly, we're the, you know, reigning Grand Slam champions coming into these games. You kind of want to be putting the marker down and really kind of dominating these smaller teams. And listen, we put 130 points on both Tonga and Romania over the two games we've looked very solid we haven't come away with too many injuries it's pretty much been job well done so far um, without Ireland kind of giving away any big secrets that we might have for the rest of the tournament obviously there's been so much build up to these couple of games that you know there's going to be a bit of show and tell and a bit of keeping stuff back but I think Ireland have looked good without absolutely hitting top spot yet which I think is probably where you want to be but of course the big test is coming up tonight. Absolutely. As you mentioned, we've probably had maybe enough little errors, things to work on, such as the, the line-out doesn't really seem to be as sharp maybe as we'd like it to be. 
But as you say, is that kind of all part of your building towards that bigger challenge ahead? It's nice to have those little things to keep you on your toes. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the line out is probably the one area where we've kind of dropped off a little bit in recent years. And we always kind of knew this was coming because we've chosen hookers over the last couple of years that have been more kind of ball players, more players that will get you around the field a little bit more rather than just being set piece specialists. Ronan Kelleher and uh, Dan Sheen are two absolutely fantastic players and probably two of the best front rows in the world at the minute. Ronan Kelleher has dropped off a little bit since his injury, but Dan Sheen would get into any team in the world. Is he an absolute, you know, number one hooker in the style of somebody like Rob Herring, who we have on the bench, or maybe Keith Wood in the past? No, he's probably not there yet, but still, I think he gives enough to kind of justify his position. And the great news is that he's back training this week and should be available for the game tonight as well, which is exactly what we want to see. And like that, we do have Rob Herring on the bench, you know, a South African himself. He knows what it's like to, to grow up in that country and to, to be in that rugby culture. So he might be giving the lads a, a few little extra tips as well, as, uh, you know, he'll, he'll obviously have a, a role to play off the bench and, the South African, you know, let's let's talk about the bomb squad. It's the, the thing that we're so afraid of coming into this game. Uh, they're not exactly set-piece specialists either. They just know that they can have this perception of we're the biggest team in the world right now. We've got seven uh, different forwards on the bench that we can bring on. Um, so they, they'll certainly bring a bit of fear factor. But I think Ireland will come into this game knowing that they're the best team in the world and they've, they've really put down a marker so far. And it's it's just about kind of matching South Africa, you know, the reigning world champions on that field and, and really kind of moving them around a bit. Yeah, you mentioned the, the bomb squad uh, approach. It's been kind of the talk all week. We saw them use it against New Zealand, obviously, in some of the warm-up games where they really dismantled the All Blacks, particularly in the second half. Does that affect Andy Farrell's maybe approach to the game or do you think he's confident enough in Ireland at where we're at as number one to stick to our own style? Well, the, the reason that they've named the squad so early in the week is to try get into the Irish heads a little bit. We know that uh, Jack Nienaber and, of course, you know, Razi Erasmus, they're, they're two men who like to just mess with the opposition a little bit. Razi Erasmus likes to just put himself front and centre and, and try to just make the story all about him a little bit. And naming the bomb squad so early in the week, it has to be a little bit of that. It has to be kind of a show of strength really to hide a couple of weaknesses there's a a great article from Roy O'Connor from during the week where he's talking a bit about whether it's actually better to be you know the best team in the world or to be perceived as the best team in the world and right now Ireland are probably the best team in the world but South Africa are probably perceived to be the best team in the world because they have this fear factor they can bring in these absolute monsters of men you know the likes you know they don't even have the likes of Malcolm Marks on the field today you know Lacan Uam has been moved out a little bit there's an injury for Luke Diager these are three World Cup players uh, you know, winners of the World Cup four years ago, and they're not even involved. You've got Ibn Etzebet back this week. You've got the likes of Peter Steftetosh, who's probably going to play the 80 minutes. He's probably going to be the only forward that will play the 80 minutes. These are absolute world-class players, but if we can just manage to maybe move the game around a little bit, and like you say, Andy Farrell is, is somebody who's not going to be too worried about that. He knows that Ireland have strengths in other areas of the field. The big question is whether he's going to go with the 5-3 split that he usually goes with on the bench, that would give Ireland a bit more of uh, an attacking option when it comes to, you know, kind of 60, 70 minutes into the game. Or does he kind of match up with the South Africans and go with maybe a 6-2? I I think it's very unlikely he will go with a 7-1. But a 6-2 split would kind of match the South Africans game. And it's, it's kind of allowing them to dictate the play 
And Andy Farrell won't want to do that. He knows that Ireland have the skills to maybe move those kind of big lumps of men around the field a little bit. And if you can tire those guys out, you know, obviously they're monsters of men, but they won't really have the fitness that Ireland's players will have. So if you can maybe get a bit of a kicking game going, you move those guys around, you get them tired out after maybe 50 minutes, that kind of puts a bit of a spanner in the works of the South African game plan. And it might just give Ireland enough opportunities when the game is into the dying minutes to maybe just get a couple of scores laid on and really, really take the top of the group. Yeah, and we're obviously in a terrific position at the moment in Irish rugby. We we have stars kind of across the board, across the team. Bundyaki seems to be in sparkling form going into tonight's game. But who do you expect to really stand out for Ireland tonight? I mean, look, it's it's all about Johnny Sexton, really, isn't it? I mean, he is the you know top scorer of all time. He's somebody who's had a bit of a rest coming into this tournament, and we were a little bit concerned that you know, we'll have to play him in this Romania game just to get minutes under his belt. But he's absolutely passed every test with flying colours and you know looked absolutely amazing against Tonga last time out as well. There's always been a bit of a, a worry that maybe he might be targeted in this game. You know, Obviously, Razi Erasmus knows all about how to deal with Johnny Sexton in the past with his, his monster connection. So if you know maybe Johnny does have to come off the field a little bit earlier than he would like, it's all going to be on the likes of Jack Crowley to come on and kind of step up a little bit. And it's going to be interesting to see if, if Crowley, you know, if he can come on and just kind of control the game a little bit because it's going to be a tight affair coming into the last few minutes. So you need your your spare 10 to step up and just kind of keep the calmness a little bit. Ross Byrne is your other option here as well. Ross Byrne, you know, obviously is well used to doing this kind of role, playing for Leinster, kind of sweeping up after Johnny has done all of his magic. So maybe he might be a safer option, but Jack Crowley is that little bit more of a, a spark. He might just keep Ireland in the game a little bit more and have that little bit more of an extra little bit of sparkle to put on the game and really kind of frighten us South Africans as we come into the last few moments. Um, I think it's really interesting to see Dan Sheehan coming back. Um, Jack Cronin was back training this week as well. So Ireland have pretty much got a a full set, a full squad to choose from here. So really every single player needs to step up. Mack Hansen has looked pretty good so far as well. Peter Armani, was man of the match in the Romania game, somewhat controversially, but uh, certainly played his part in that game as well. So I think you kind of need every single one of your 23 to step up in this game, especially when we have that 7-1 split on the South African bench. Clean bill of health will be most important going into quarterfinal also. Being on the tougher side of the draw with France and New Zealand looking likely to be 1-2 and two in the, uh, the opposing pool, who do you think Ireland would maybe prefer to play at this stage in the quarterfinal should we get there? It's really picking your poison now at this stage, really, isn't it? I mean, you looked at that opening game and I thought New Zealand were quite good in the first half. A lot of people were a little down on New Zealand coming into this tournament that obviously they're they're not really the all black the all blacks of old that you know they've lost to Ireland, they've been beaten by South Africa in recent years. They've just lost that sheen of invincibility. And yet in that opening game, maybe it was just a bit of opening night nerves from France, but New Zealand really kind of played them off the park for the first maybe, you know, 40, 45 minutes of that game. And then France kind of came back into it and and obviously took the win. So France are probably the more dangerous of the two at the minute. If I was to choose, I'd probably pick New Zealand at the minute. And that looks like we'd have to finish top of the group to get New Zealand. So it's just about getting points on the board. And really, you know, once we get past that quarterfinal stage, the tournament really does open up for us. So let's just get past South Africa first. Yeah, absolutely. All focus on tonight. From a sunny southeast point of view, I suppose Tyg Furlong has been relatively quiet 
uh, up to now but surely the game now this evening against South Africa is a perfect storm for him with that that real battle in the forwards yeah I mean these games that we've had so far Romania and Tonga they were never really going to be kind of battles up front they were never going to be you know kind of you know 13 kind of nine games where you know you need every single inch off the bench to, to really help you get through it was never going to be a big scrumming kind of game we haven't had the kind of massive rain that we were kind of worried might happen so Tyke Furlong really will come into his own in a game like tonight when he's coming up against one of the best front rows in the world and he hasn't like you say he probably hasn't been sparkling so far but I think he's done everything he's needed to do uh, Finley Bealham obviously coming on he's been a really nice revelation for the Irish front row for the last kind of year and a half maybe we were kind of a little bit worried about who would step up since Keane Healy got injured right before basically on the eve of the tournament but Finley Bealham has stepped up he's come through his HIA pro calls so even if Tyg you know puts in a really solid shift for 60 minutes you've got the likes of Finley to come on and the likes of Tom O'Toole Tom Stewart those kind of players are starting to to really kind of bed themselves in the system a little bit and um, you know you're going to need every single inch off the bench tonight particularly when it comes to that front row battle so when it comes to scrums maybe 60 minutes gone I think Tyg might just manage to to get one over on his opponents. Fingers crossed. So as we count down the hours now to that 8pm kickoff, Aidan, what prediction are you going to go for? I think Ireland are probably the best team in the world. Like I said, it's just about, you know, making sure that you don't let the South Africans get in your head and just kind of play your own game a little bit. I'd like to see Ireland kick a little bit more. I know that's not the most exciting game plan in the world and it has been a bit of our detriment in the past. But I think when you've got the likes of Conor Murray that can come on, Johnny Sexton, if he's a little more clever, we can even use the boot of um, James Lowe to kind of open up the space a little bit more, move those South Africans around the park, make sure they're not comfortable. Let's play a game more traditionally, you know, that we could see as a more traditional rugby game. Let's move the ball around the park. Let's go out to the wings. Let's, you know, try trips in behind. Let's get those lads moving around the field and and really kind of just put it up to the South Africans. If you try to make this a big kind of battle up front, you know, trying to battle every rook, you know, go for scrums wherever there are opportunities to do so, you're kind of playing into South Africans' hands a little bit. So I think Ireland need to just play their own game move the ball around the field a little bit, get your backs involved. It's going to be a big battle. It's probably, like I say, the kind of the test run for the World Cup final because both these teams look like they might meet in the final later on as well. So I think Ireland might just sneak it maybe 15-10. Five counties, one big sports show. Sports Beat Extra. Hopefully we will be celebrating a win for the boys in green tonight. I'm Andy. Thanks so much again for joining me on this evening's Sports Beat Extra. And don't go anywhere because Beat Anthems is coming up next. This is Sports Beat Extra.